greetings and welcome to the after show for the penultimate episode of Finding Jesus, the beautiful YouTube series created by me, Alexi Toliopoulos, and Cameron James, my partner in investigation, where we try to track down the origins and the creator of Kanye Quest 3030, a game thought to be a recruitment tool for a new age cult. This is the second last episode of the series, and we are joined once again by David Alat to discuss it. Cameron is away on tour right now, so I am solo boloing this introduction. I want to say thank you to everybody for really embracing this episode. There's been really some really, really touching messages from people about uh, the way this, the direction of this series has been heading, um, which has been very moving. Um, so thank you to everybody sending those really nice messages. It's been really great. Uh, it means the world that you guys like this. And I'm really excited to get to introduce you to a new friend of ours next on Finding Jesus. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, this is a really fun chat with David. David is so insightful, especially at the tail end of being investigated by Cameron and I. He has some really interesting empathetic insights about what is happening in these episodes from the other side of things that we don't always get to hear from. So he's just so fun in this episode. Some great riffs. I also want to say thank you to everybody that bought caps from our merch store over at findingyeezus.com. The caps have sold out. We still have some tote bags. We still got some pins and posters and some stickers, but the supplies are running low. I think that if we sell out most of this stuff, we probably will do another merch run. So hit that shit up and we hopefully will do some more in the future because it seems like people want some stuff, but... Um, would love to sell this lot and it will give us the confidence to sell some more if you really want some. Um, but thank you to everybody. And, uh, you know, Cameron and I, uh, we want to keep doing these kind of shows for the rest of our gosh dumb lives. So if you have a mystery or something that you want to in- us to investigate in this kind of cultural space, you can hit us up at findingyeezus.com. We've got a contact page there where you can submit a mystery. And the more detail, the better. There's been some really detailed ones that are getting a freaking heavy look into at the moment already. So please do submit your mysteries because we are really looking forward to hitting them. Uh, final episode of the show is actually going to be out Today, Tuesday in Australia. Um, so, if you're listening to this, the first thing you do when you wake up, in a couple of hours it will be out. If you're listening to this in the afternoon, it's out right now. So, watch it. Um, and then we're going to wait a couple of days before we do another after show. Let it sink in a little bit, uh, which will give you some time to send some questions to Cameron and I on our social feeds. We'll pass them on to David and we'll be recording that episode on Wednesday morning. So the following day after the episode has landed and then we'll be releasing it pretty soon after that. Thank you so much. Like I said, to all the nice messages you've gotten, uh, you guys rock. Thank you so much for all your support. Enjoy this episode and enjoy the finale of Finding Jesus out today. Love you. Here's David. Hello listeners, and welcome back to my nook. I'm wired in the nerve centre and I'm ready to go. It's David, shuffleboarder, scholar and disciple of Todd Noy, and of course a VR futurist, and a fan of both popular and unpopular science. I'm joined by Alexi and Cam. Well, our trip to Balarak took us right back to the drawing board. A clean page, tabula rasa, stumped, stalled, stalemated. What a disappointing position we find ourselves on the mystery, but I'm sure we can turn this one around. Just to remind you of the format, I'll be probing in the usual fashion. I've got some pre-prepared questions inspired by the greats. Michael Parkinson, Martin Bashir, and Mr. David Frost-Nixon. We'll have questions from... (laughs) (laughs) You think his name's David (laughs) Frost-Nixon? It's a hyphenated name. No wonder he got that exclusive interview. (laughs) He's related to the guy. (laughs) We'll have questions as well from the fans and listeners. 
We're going to go on our own little RPG. We're going to go on the episode walk. We're going to be stepping into Cameron and Alexi's boots. So, I'm going to hand over now to our inspiring, intrepid hosts, Cameron James and Alexi Toliopoulos. Gents, hello. Hello, hello. Hello, David. I have a question for you just quickly. What do you mean by unpopular science? Well, believe it or not, science is a relatively new trend. Um, I've read textbooks that will blow your mind. Some of the stuff is pretty naughty, (laughs) pretty dirty, you know, and I probably shouldn't comment on any sort of... uh, any sort of media about some of the stuff in some of the books that I've read. And uh, look, some people don't like certain conclusions. I'm not going to tell you what shape I think the planet is, but it ain't round and it ain't flat. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For young people out there looking for a cause looking for a direction that want to make a difference in this life choose science you will not be disappointed um and uh if you do get in touch i'd be happy to share my theories theorems uh diagrams i've got it all (laughs) anyway it's the questions uh so look like like i said at the start I mean, we we arrive at this point. We've eliminated some. We've eliminated some suspects, but we've really got nothing at this point. We we are back in the wilderness entirely. So, how do you both in this exact instance, but also just generally, how do you stay motored? How do you find how do you find a new branch to swing on? It was tough. It was really honestly, it was really really tough. I think at this point, if I go back into my mind, genuinely, I believed. We had no hope. And I thought that we were truly at a complete dead end. And I thought that everything we'd found up until this point, and especially going off clues that existed before we started investigating, those I felt like maybe they were all wrong. And what we had been doing was just an incredible waste of time and resources. <laughs> So it was mm. a low, it was a really low moment. It was like a dark night of the soul, if you will. Yeah. And like, you know, we, we'd been doing this for a long time at this point and we were really tired and we were like um, running low on budget throughout this production. Um, so I think by the time we were at this point, our catering budget had gone from like proper lunches to just... Um, like bread from the supermarket and muesli bars. And mm. um, as I, I mentioned thankfully. in the last episode, we're in a lettuce drought in Australia at the time. So we weren't getting any salads. Mm-hmm. We weren't getting any vitamins. And um, we were just tired and hungry and a little bit, a little bit frustrated. And it's because we gave all the food that was available to the crew. We decided to go without to feed our crew because we're really... We care so much about the people we work with above ourselves. We're selfless empaths. Yeah, we we love the crew. We'll do anything for our crew. We'll die for our crew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even if even yep. if it was just them wanting me to die, I'll be like, well, then it shall be. I'd kill Alexi for them if that's what they wanted. If they said, I- you need to slit this guy's throat. <laughs> We need a blood donation for this shit for it to go well. I'll do it. (laughs) That is true leadership. I just want to... We covered this a bit in the last episode. I just want to remind the listeners, you know, not only is this a difficult mystery, as it is lots of difficult threads to pull together, this is happening in the age of one of the biggest lettuce shortages ever to hit a continent. (laughs) Just bear that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got a uh, fun question. <laughs> In many ways, we should have made an entirely different documentary documenting the lettuce shortage. <laughs> the lettuce shortage. And its effect oh, on KFCs should. and otherwise. Yeah. You heard. And, 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 you know, and the worst possible insult, not only have you got a lettuce shortage, you've got, you know, excess cabbage. Too much um, cabbage. Which is 
<laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> and we just have you know. to eat cabbage. Almost every meal, we had to have an entire yeah half head of cabbage each. Yeah, we had a bowl of cereal that had cabbage in it. Yeah. What the heck? I eat cereal uh, out of the cabbage. I'd hollow out a cabbage. out of a leaf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I know a little bit about statecraft and um, global supply chains and. Mm. It's generally, you know, a, a, a quite a key indicator on a country is you want those lettuce levels and cabbage levels to be dead even. You know, that's where you find yeah. that equilibrium. So, um, you know, it's, it's hard times out there. And um, it just, it, you know, it just shows the added weight um, uh, that, you were, that, that you were carrying uh, through this ch- challenging time. Um Shall I come to this question from... Uh, this one's coming through Facebook. It's from Samuel Silcott. Um, and he said, How scared were you whilst digging through all of this that you are actually going to uncover something maybe too dark to be funny about? Um, were there any moments as part of the mystery where you felt you were just straying into the dangerous, wacky, weird, illegal... Or any of those things that our parents would warn us against. Alexi famously says that there's no subject too dark or too taboo to joke about. And he often (laughs) (laughs) he'll often like I'll describe Alexi's humor as edgelord style humor, where he sort of deliberately provokes and pushes the boundaries of taste and decency. My so, humour is all about finding that line. Yeah. And obliterating and it. <laughs> crashing through it like either a bat out of hell yeah. or a bullet train being commanded by some of the funniest actors in the world, such as Bradley Pitt yeah. and others. Mm-hmm. Brian Tyree Henry, I think, is in that movie. Yeah, he's and, in it. Aaron Taylor-Johnson's also in it. <laughs> All that kind of Ryan Reynoldsian humor that you would find on that bullet train. All of them. Just I would definitely describe Alexi's humor as Deadpool esque. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you see Alexi on stage, and I pray you do someday, David, he is pacing back and forth like a panther, yep. prowling the mm-hmm. stage, smashing taboos, <laughs> picking up a dark subject that you or mm-hmm. I would, you know, bulk at, and he'll make a meal out of that thing and turn it into freaking shit right in front of us. I'm one of the very few comedians to be on stage on all fours, and that's how I do it. I really need yeah. that prowl, yeah. as if I'm a predatory beast hunting the most dark laughs that is hidden within the hearts of each audience member. Those primal laughs are all I'm interested in. And if I don't get a laugh, I'll settle for a gasp. If you've ever seen Alexi on stage, you'll know that his catchphrase is, what, too soon? And (laughs) it crushes. It absolutely kills. Because it it is often too soon. Well, Alexi, you... You've turned the looking glass on the viewer and we have realised we are depraved. You've teased us there, you've took us over the line and there's no going back. So in answer to your question, Sam, we are fearless. We're led by Alexi on his depraved, deranged rampage through comedy. No one's safe. No one's safe. (laughs) Hey, I just got a question via a Facebook messenger from one of our dear friends. Um, This is from Rodney Todd, another depraved comedic mind. Mm. And he says, this is a question for you, Cameron. Hey, Mm. man, this is going to make me look even more like a dumb cunny. But have you finished shooting Finding Jesus or do you shoot it each week? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Rodney. Um, Yeah, it's being filmed live. It's it's like Saturday Night Live. We film it every week in front of. We, we film it for Twitch every week live. <laughs> oh, no, we just upload it to YouTube not. later. It was filmed like three months ago. Actually, someone commented on YouTube the other day because uh, Kanye West is in the news at the moment for being, you know, for saying some attached rude. to this project. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> his name is attached to this project, but he's also been yeah. saying some rude things. And someone commented on YouTube, um, are you going to acknowledge the things that Kanye has been saying in the next episode? And I was like, 
Uh, no, because we filmed this like three months ago. So, also, this has nothing to do with that. No, we're not yeah. going to. No. Kanye is not really featured in it very often at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Rodney. And thank you, Sam Silcock. Thank you, Sam. Um, and I did see that little commentary on YouTube, and I was going to ask you about it as well. Um, you know, would would you mind addressing the fact that Kanye is going utterly bonkers right now, seemingly more than usual? I would say it's a huge disappointment. Mm. Yeah, it was a huge disappointment because Cameron and I, both of us, um, at different points in our lives, have found a lot of... I found a lot in his music. Like, we, his music has meant a lot to us. Um, yeah. And... Uh, it's a disappointment to see someone that you admire so much uh, turn this new leaf in their life that is expelling negative energy in the world. Someone whose music has given a lot of positive energy to people. And also, in the past, I've admired a lot of his political activism and like his political speech. I often think back to him standing next to our other great hero, Mike Myers, mm. and speaking truth to power to freaking uh, George W. Bush mm. about his uh, complete negligence to black people in America during the Hurricane Katrina uh, disaster. So I think I've always... I had admired Kanye quite a lot, and I think it's a huge disappointment to see him uh, spilling uh, dialogue and diatribes that I would consider extremely anti-Semitic and uh, I would say bordering on fascistic thoughts. So I find it mm. really upsetting, and it sucks that someone who's so powerful and admired can betray his audiences uh, so compellingly, could totally betrayal of his audiences and betrayal on his work and his character. I find it really upsetting, and it sucks ass. It does suck yeah, ass. Man. And, you know, yeah. only, I mean, he's a very complicated human being, and he has a lot of complex mental health issues that we can never understand, but... So, I mean, hopefully the man that we all admired and and loved and whose music we love, the artist, is still in there. Um, you know, I, and I assume, I assume he is somewhere in there underneath all the wackiness. But, you know, for now, it is a total shame. Um, and in protest, I'll only be listening to songs from College Dropout and Graduation. Kanye, man, if you're listening, sort it out. You know, flip it. Give us some positive. Turn it around. Next question. Um, this is something I've been uh, tumbling around in my own skull. And this is about the sort yes. of relationship between the physical cult um, and and the video game. And whether they are two related things. So the extent to which they are related through a single creator. And the reason I was thinking of it is because when we were talking about Noi, the Noi mythos actually happens completely separately and organically, even though there was a little mm. seed to start it off. So I just wanted to mm. ask you, I'm not sure exactly how to phrase the question, but have you given thought to the fact that maybe there is a game that exists that has, has kind of got a hidden level in it, um, and then there is a an organic audience that has then mm. used that as a springboard to create something in the real world wow well i think that's something that we were very conscious of like when we were thinking about it especially when we were kind of thinking about like the not the plot of this documentary but more the story world like what exists in this world and what is like the atmosphere around it and i think one thing that kind of this series starts getting to and it gets in and like basically from this episode is this idea of a new religion being formed and basically you know something being created then the creator disappearing becoming absent and then people trying to find answers in that void and i think for us that is an allegory for religion full stop in this mm. day and age. Mm. So it's something that we were thinking about quite a lot. It's like what you, there's all these people trying to either solve this mystery or participating in it or living through this story world that's been created um, or living through this world that has been created through this game. And yeah, it felt, it felt eerily kind of like that throughout. There's also like a pretty strong uh, online community of people that, 
essentially role play like um what what's what's it called again alexi it's not called is it is it just called role play role playing games or something what is it yeah uh args args yeah so it's um augmented reality gaming so it's um or alternate it's either augmented or alternate and the i think the idea of it david is that it's very similar to the noise stuff, to be honest. It's like a community of people who take subject matter that is provided to them and then they build a world around it and they act as if it's real. And it's quite fun. I've never done, I've never done it in this capacity, but it's this, I guess it operates on the same principles as LARPing or um, improv or even just like comedic like long form role playing that you do on a podcast or whatever. So it, it did cross our minds and, you know, it, it still will cross our minds as these episodes progress that we're sort of dealing with that. Like, I think it's people expanding upon what's been given to them and kind of making it bigger than what it is. Modern myth making, I would say. Great answer, gents. Just to those noise scholars out there, the noise vagrants out there, just, you know, never stop believing. Keep on dreaming, keep on flying, and keep on keeping on. I'm with you, um, you know, believe in noise. Let him be that wind yeah. beneath our wings. Amen. But now it's time for the walkthrough. So come this way. We start with a scene in which Alexi's seemingly extracting the knowledge of Cameron is that a technique that you've tried before is is that uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. do you have a means of that sort of single single mind wow well I think it was something that we learned from Angela we was all about the mind and channeling the mind and it for us was a moment to combine our two brain powers mm-hmm. through the tips of my fingers through the temples of Cameron's head mm. and we had to physically connect to get that brain wave to an electrical surging level that it's never been channeled through before. Yeah, it's true. It was very intense. Excellent. It was very intense for me, um, largely because it was a one-take shot and um, mm-hmm. I had to deliver a lot of exposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's mainly why it was intense. Yeah, had- and I, have, I, I had sweaty hands making Cameron's head sweaty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really sweaty um, stuff. It was st- sticky, icky stuff like that weed we smoke every day on this show. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, we got it all there. We got we got the Matrix Matrix reference, and uh, mm. we got the exposition that was necessary for telling the story. And we got to see every little nook and nodule of Cameron's head, the mm. delicate uh, undulating surface that houses within that cranium such a such a tender mind and something that we're grateful for you to, to share with us. Um, okay, the first main chapter of the scene, uh, I've called this Ask Anna. Anna Bronowski, friend of the series, mm. uh, a great mm. mind, and she tells us all about uh, copycat cults. Now, uh, having been psychoanalyzed by uh, Anna Bronowski, I know she knows what's going on. Uh, gents, can you just tell us about your relationship with Anna, the the guidance that she's provided you, and how she has come to be such a important figure in your lives and in the podcast? I adore Anna. She's like one of the greatest mentors I've ever had, and probably the smartest person I've ever known. She uh, was my tutor and lecturer and teacher at film school in documentary course, and I had admired her work like before I even went to film school. She made this movie called Forbidden Lies, which is one of the best documentaries ever made in Australia. Great investigative documentary. And that was a movie that was very important to me. I saw it very uh, young and I just thought it was the coolest freaking thing. So I think she's been in my mind before I even met her. And uh, she... When I brought her the noise story in film school, she was like, this is something really cool. There's something really cool here. And so from that point, she's been involved in 
helping that exist and then helping us grow and develop as storytellers in this kind of reality factual world, um, in this factual world of storytelling. Uh, so we go to her for guidance a lot, you know, like we even caught up with her just this last week in reality mm. um, to talk <clears throat> things through and to just spend some time and break some bread together. So she's a big part of our creative lives. We did break a lot of bread as well. We were throwing loaves around the mm-hmm. room and just letting them smash and shatter as we yeah. wanted. We got pretty drunk. Mm-hmm. We sat around. Alexi smoked a cigarette. Don't know if I can oh, tell I that did. tale out of school. But oh, my God. Yes, Alexi I did. Alexi smoked a cigarette and I couldn't believe a it. bad habit. It's a bad habit. It. I was watching it going, okay, this guy is cutting <laughs> loose tonight. Great to see Anna on screen. And, um, you know, um, really grateful to Anna for having um, voluntarily felt the swarm. Um, the next chapter, <laughs> um, what should we call this one? Um, the Australian office. Uh, we back with the gents in the office. Um <laughs> Riffing, really, trying to come up with the answer to, you know, what the hell are we going to do next? And then we come across this um, potential copycat cult, the uh, Ascending Brotherhood, not to be confused with the prison gang, the Aryan Brotherhood. That is a CCC of the KKK, and the less said about both of those, the better. Um, But you find this this, uh, copycat cult that seems to have been inspired by Ascensionism, um, but is doing its, but is basically doing its its own take on this, largely involving mm. um, cryptocurrency. Tell me how this mm. came about, and 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 in this scene, it appears to just kind of, it appears that we witness the moment. Um, uh, that, that, that this that this discovery was made. Can you tell me about that discovery? Yeah. Sure. Um, love to discuss. Uh, thank you for naming this chapter the Australian Office, by the way, which is... Um, Seems really, where it's set. Really, yeah, it's where it's set. And that's <laughs> the only reason you've called it that. Um, <laughs> I like to deal is... in the literal. <laughs> yeah, this is just... It's an office in Australia, and that's all... That's the only reason that we're talking about that. Um, so, Hitchirunk, the creator of Ascending Brotherhood. You know, when we were doing our Googling for Ascensionism, we found this video on YouTube called Ascending Brotherhood, and it was <clears throat> kind of cryptic, and it sort of looked like it was doing a similar thing to Ascensionism, and we didn't really think too much about it. Then we went back to it after Anna... Um, spoke mm. to us and thought, well, maybe we can talk to this person. It doesn't look like much has ever happened with the Ascending Brotherhood. Maybe it, maybe it was just a one-off thing or they were attempting to start something and it didn't take off. And then, I mean, I was amazed that Hitcherunk spoke to us as much as he did. Like, it was just... I, like, honestly, the what you see in the episode is transcriptions of a conversation that we had... Um, with them and it's they gave so much information like they were just I couldn't believe that they were opening up about microdosing LSD and um, essentially trying to recruit people to a crypto business and what was the other things they said they were just like yeah I was taking advantage of people and it was pretty wild it was just like the idea of like bringing people into this story world and then Almost farming people. Yeah, using them. <laughs> like It's like I'm luring you in with my ARG, and then now that we all know each other, here's an exciting investment opportunity for you all. It's pretty great. Like I mean, I thought it was pretty funny to kind of essentially use a role-play game to um, you know, get some people to work at your startup. But yeah, very fun. I mean, and, and Vidya's performance as Hikurunk oh, yeah. is so good, by the way. Yeah, Vidya Rajan, great comedian, super mm. funny, and uh, we were very excited to get her on board, and especially for this role. Once we were like, we once we thought of her playing this character, we're just like, this is gonna be something really cool, really whack. What's the character's name in the Matrix that does this thing? Seraph. Seraph. Yeah, Seraph. Yeah. Seraph. 
Yeah. Yeah, well, I, want, we I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, I've called it Dojo Crypto, this chapter. And, uh, mm. I mean, once again, we see another Matrix rendering. Is that a, um, is that a kind of green screen backdrop or are you in a... Um, is it filmed in a uh, an, an actual... Um, um, martial arts. Yeah, this is in the studio space, stupid old studios, and we had these giant LED or LCD screens. I think they're LEDs. Uh, there's two of them. They're humongous. They're probably two and a half meters tall and probably three or four meters wide. And uh, these were backgrounds, I think, sourced and designed by Alex Gabbat, our incredible editor. Um, and he basically got them we put them up on the screens and then our production designers as well would do some things in the real space so that one also has like a carpet that is made to look like a dojo floor like the wooden boards or the soft boards of a dojo Mm. and uh it's all comes together to kind of give you this stylistic interpretation of a dream from the matrix yeah it's fucking cool so cool like we uh where we feature in none of these sequences Mm. But we were in the room while they were all being shot over one or two days. This is so much fun to watch, like, actors and comedians deliver this insane dialogue mm. and to see the practical and the visual effects come together to kind of create a world. So fun. I mean, we felt like we were on the set of an actual movie yeah. as opposed to a webisode. And I would say on that cam, one of the things that was really exciting was, you know, this is a, this is something that we've done in the podcast as well, which is get great comedians and great actors to uh, speak out and recreate the dialogue from exchanges we have with people online. And then we stylize them. And when you're doing that in audio space, like we had done in the past, it's very easy to make it exactly word accurate from these transcripts. It was so hard to do it on screen and we pulled it off. They're all word for word accurate from what these text exchanges are with people. Mm. Uh, But it's so much harder because someone has to memorize it. They can't just have the sheet in front of them. You can't just do a pickup of one word here or there. They have to like figure it out in their head Mm. uh, to say these things that are not spoken word. They're not meant to be spoken out loud. They're just something that someone's random, like not randomly typed out, but it's got the, the wording, the spacing of a thought being expressed through the written word, Mm. having to translate that into their head to not sound bizarre being spoken out to like find the right intonation of words that were never spoken to sound spoken um, and I think Vidya had it harder than anyone. Probably Vidya and Broden had it the hardest uh, in episode two where Broden has to read that mm. uh, kind of uh, stream of conscious uh, reviews, review. Yeah. And that was like so specific. There's some words that don't line up properly with each other where he's just like the lyric is crap and stuff or the lyrics is crap where just it's not the right way that you would talk, but it's the way someone wrote something out. And video, I was so impressed with how word perfect she was so quickly yeah. uh, with each take, just getting it closer, be- better, closer, and then right on the money. Video has a theatre background, so she's very good at learning these lines. Like, she truly like learnt them like it was a play that she was doing. It was so fun to watch. Because you're right, a yeah. lot of these sentences would sound bizarre, and it doesn't. it's not good to sound bizarre unless your name is... Rufus Arthur Johnson, better known by the stage name Bizarre, from the Detroit-based hip-hop group D12. Well, we will nod our shower caps to to Bizarre, master of the art. Uh, We found one hidden level in Kanye Quest. Well, there's another. The ultimate boss, Bizarre. Can you outwrap this guy? Have you heard Purple Pills? <laughs> That's I, we got to make sure Bizarre gets into Kanye Quest forty forty. We got to yeah, get him we got to get Bizarre in there. My God, <laughs> one of the greats. Um, um, I I really liked I really liked that answer. I think it's so f- fun uh, that you know a lot of actors in this kind of setup they're in their reading scripts and largely delivering events, whether it be a world war, 
a great sporting event um, or, 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 or a significant story plots about love and, and romance. Or, but, but often when you've got um, these presentations in, in, in these episodes, you, you've got the same rig, the same setup, the same intensity and skill, and it's delivering Facebook messages, WhatsApp messages, or exchanges on the dark web. Um, it's great. So uh, con- mm. congratulations. This, this, the scene was such a success. Thank you. Thank you, David. Right. Here we go. Here we go. What a moment in the episode. Mm-hmm. We strike gold. We are showered in gold. We find, uh, I call this episode, thank you for your service. We find the harmless tank <laughs> through the innocuous research method of checking the credits and what should I call it? Cold calling? Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, cold calling. I mean, this is the grunt work of being a journalist, which is, you know, I mean, we're not real journalists, but we do the work for it for these shows and this is really this is all the president's man it's just fucking Mm. going through a big list of names and contacting all these people and trying to break through getting knocked back and knocked back and knocked back we went through dozens dozens of names dirty dozens D12. And then we found out... contacted Bizarre and his buddies. (laughs) Bizarre, Proof, Bugs, Swifty, (laughs) Caniva, Fuzz Scooter, Mr. Porter. (laughs) We spoke to them all. They had nothing to say, so they didn't make the cut. Um, But this was was such a late revelation in the game. And I think this kind of speaks to how complex solving a mystery is Mm. because... This would have been about a year plus, a year and a half Mm. to get to a point where a few clicks can get you over the finish line. And it took a year and a half to figure out what those clicks needed to be. And then the solution, 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 the solution was rather (laughs) simple, but it just takes so much work to get to that final line of the simple solution to get you over the line. And it was just a testament to Cameron to figuring out what those last steps, what those last clicks were. It's just, it's, it's like, you know what it is? It's just being a little bit of a fucking um, lunatic. Because so many times you, you go, okay, I've found the name Harmless Tank. I've, found, I've also found that name on Newgrounds. Mm-hmm. So now I just have to go through the process of like making a Newgrounds account and like posting enough so that I'm allowed to DM people. and so It's just, like, so boring and arduous. Uh, and then that didn't work. And then, of course, then finding Harmless Tank's YouTube channel and commenting on a bunch of videos there. And the videos are streams, essentially, like streams of, you know, Harmless Tank gaming. And some of them are quite old, and I don't know how often he checks his YouTube, you know. So it was just, like, so relentless but, I mean, it paid off. Thank God. I mean, and also, by the way, Harmless Tank, Bradley, really funny, cool dude. He rocks, man. He's so fun. And also, quite the showman. Yeah. Quite the showman with how he would the greatest want to play along with us exactly. and how he strung us along and how he revealed. He had all these things planned because yep. we were originally trying to go meet him in person, but we couldn't get things to line up. And he was telling us, I was like, yeah, I wanted to be like a magician's thing and like really have these slow reveals for you guys. He was like, but then I was like, oh, we couldn't work it. So I was just going to do it over the line to you guys over the, over the telephone. Uh, that That's hilarious. I, th- I think, you know, most guys of a certain age, we all dream of being magicians and any opportunity mm. where that uh, plays out, it's a moment to be seized. I'm glad you said that about Bradley. Bradley Harmless Mescal. Uh, what a what a warm vibe and what a generous interview he provides. He really mm. so, he really gives so a genuine cool. sense that, you know, you, you you've cracked this and he has shown you the path. He's shown you the way. Um I think his story feels like he did, super he credible. Did as much detective work as we did, I think. Like, mm. um, we'd been, oh, I, you know, been texting with him a bit, and every time I caught up with him, he had another little detail that he was like, "Oh, I think I'll try this. I'll try this. I'll try this." And so by the time we speak to him, that was the first time we'd spoken to him, you know, over video chat, 
Um, yeah, like a face-to-face chat. Yeah, face-to-face chat. He'd done some digging already, and I think he'd had about three or four days to kind of really do some detective work. And, I mean, it fucking paid off. I couldn't believe mm. it. I can't even explain to you how surprised, genuinely surprised and amazed... Yeah. It, I felt, I don't know how you felt, Alexi, but I was just like, what the oh, fuck? Yeah. I really didn't. I thought maybe talking to Bradley would be the closest we would get yes. to ending we this. We kind of, when we were going in, we thought this would be the ending and it would be mm. like, okay, great. This will be the end of the series. We meet this guy. It's the closest we get, but things are, it's so far in the past and nothing felt like it was leading anywhere. So we're like, okay, this will be the final episode. We talk to this person. We get an insight into how the game was made and that's it. That's so cool. That's further than anyone's gotten by miles and miles. And then Bradley gets us over the line. And I think this is a real testament to like what we talk about when we talk about the planning of documentary stuff. You can plan, plan, plan so much. There's always going to be surprises. There's always going to be things that catch you off guard. And no matter how much you plan, reality has different things in store for you. And it's all about planning to set things up so they unfold and happen on camera. And this was the exact time where that happened. I still remember in that moment where the truth was revealed to us because this was so real and raw and this was the first anyone once got, we both had like our notepads out so we could jot down the notes and stuff so we could keep continuing research if we can. And I remember him saying this big revelation. I remember, like you can see in this shot Hmm. where Cameron has this big reaction and I'm writing it down and it's not until I've written down what he said on my page where I'm like, oh, holy shit. Mm. Like, it had to come through my ears, Love then it. through my hand, onto the page. Then my eyes saw it to me go, everything explained. Everything made so much sense in that moment, how we couldn't find anything and where it all led to. Alexa, you're a natural-born scribe. <laughs> <laughs> much like the New Zealand wrap-up. Um But while that was happening, while we were having that conversation with Bradley, obviously um, our crew were on the other side of the camera and our producer, Rebecca, looked up Clara's Instagram and then like turned her phone around and showed it to us while we were talking to Bradley. So it was so overwhelming to hear this, then watch Beck look it up, then get to see some photos of Clara and some videos. And we were like truly like sensory overload. It was unbelievable there's there's a lovely parallel that you know we're investigating an rpg here um and it it seems as you've described you know you're playing an rpg you make your best possible plans but really you don't get through the game unless you go around talking to all the different characters and each character will give you something and when you first receive it you never quite know what to do with it you carry it in your inventory and then in good time, it will lead you to, to the answers that you need. And actually, I know um, uh, Hit Your Unk said a lot of crazy stuff, but one thing he did say was uh, an interesting parallel that the world is an RPG. Well, I'm not sure about that, mm. but um, I think what I just said still holds water. <laughs> I think so. You put that very well. <laughs> okay, so to just summarise through Bradley's reveals, because he gives us a, a, a lot he reveals that he has seen the delicate face of the creator, tells mm-hmm. us with absolute okay. certainty that they're Australian without Windows, mm-hmm. so we know they're an Australian Mac user. Um, and it gives us <laughs> their name. A new hope, Clara Hope. We have got and verified a person who is in dialogue uh, with Bradley... Uh, and he shares that dialogue mm-hmm, as well mm-hmm. as part of his reveals. Um, yeah, we're on the home straight. So um, unbelievable, man! Just, just, just run us through. What is running through your mind now? You've, you've. It's landed. It's hit, Cameron. It's hit your mind, mm-hmm. Alexi. It's hit mm-hmm. your page, and then your mind, and you sort of, <laughs> wow, we've got Clara Hope. What? Mm. How did you feel in that moment and what and, and, and what what did that planning process look like? You, you actually see a bit of the planning process in the episode. Um, we immediately launched into an emergency meeting where we tried to figure out a way that we could get to meet Clara. Um, I added her on Instagram instantly 
and started messaging her in that meeting and she she was online it was crazy like she was replying in real time while we were having this meeting and sort of real like laughing a bit and being like i can't believe you found me and then we started teeing up you know times that we could meet but obviously as you know we've said multiple times on this podcast we didn't have much money and we didn't have much time so it meant we had to act quickly so it was we were mainly thinking of the practicalities if i'm honest with you but it was a moment of true elation i would say mm. like it was incredible and everything made sense like it all cleared everything up why we couldn't find this person online why they disappeared why they disappeared from people's lives that we'd contacted and it all made sense and it was such a beautiful answer to that like mm. it just it made sense spiritually in every way and it was you know, not unlike finding you or finding Sydney was like, okay, we've got a new person in our life. And it was really exciting. And I cannot wait for people to get to meet Clara in the next episode. Yeah. It, it, it feels Just like from, from the dialogue. <laughs> it, it, it feels like from the next dialogue that, 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 that you shared uh, that, that they were ready as well, sort of. And, and, and I'm grateful to you guys on Finding Drago for that final episode. Uh, and it sounds like a really mm. similar circumstance, you know, up against the clock, maybe mm. not scheduled, but it was sort of, and maybe, Clara, maybe they are in that position where it's sort of, well, it's, it's time. Um, can you give us a little teaser of what we've got to look forward to in episode six? Yeah, we hit the road again, dude. We hit mm-hmm. the road, we make our way to Adelaide, and we come face-to-face with Phoenix. And I have a question for you, David. So, when in the final uh, episode of Finding Drago, um, when you decided that you were ready to talk and that you were ready to open up to Alexi and myself about um, Todd Noy and the Noy estate, what was it? that made you realize you were ready? I think I was not at all expecting the uh, interrogation that you you guys gave. So it caught me off guard because I thought we were just going to muck around and just keep on going with the story. And I probably would have gone mm. forever. I could picture myself as an 83-year-old. I'd be a hologram by that point. <laughs> still, you know, still telling you the same old stories. So you just got me pinned and I stepped away that and sort of that night I stepped away and I was just thinking, um, I was just thinking it can't end like this. You know, I, you know, think I I was thinking of sort of cereal and I mean, we got a bit of closure there potentially, (laughs) but, um, I was thinking of cereal and, you know, when you, when you follow something and you really want the answer and the answers are kind of there, but not there. And then equally I was thinking Mm. actually the story itself is is worth telling and i bounced it around with alexi and he validated that and said what mike tyson the the, the pigeons and, and 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 all of this story and was like this is this is good stuff it should be told and and actually i never looked back from that point uh, and i felt free by it and it didn't do any it yeah. didn't do any disservice to, to noi um at all so um i mm. just think and I'm so happy for you guys that we've got this moment. We've got this final episode. We're going to go toe-to-toe. We're going to get all the answers that, you know, we, we've been yearning for. And do, do you think that Clara is thinking possibly the same thing, that it's just it's time and it would be an interesting story to tell, like to tell the truth? I, I got that sense that they just shrugged and said, well, you know, after all these changes, they've still managed to track me down after all these years and through the most, mm. you know, through the credit. that uh, uh, Bradley is my Steve Tomlins, the boy standing tall, the most obvious clue <laughs> on page one from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, mm-hmm. and fair play, Bradley, you know, he delivered and Clara was seems to be in great spirits about uh, about it so my advice would to clara would be reveal there is freedom in revealing that's so good um i I, i've not got any more questions but i just want to comment on uh, a a reference that we've made throughout this um bizarre if you're listening you know we spoke Mm. out to kenya bizarre if you're listening 
I've listened to a lot of hip hop since the age of oof, 15, 16 years old. Um, sure. I know hip hop history. D12 remain the most significant, well-known and greatest clan of hip hop ever to be created. So here's to the number one clan, mm-hmm. D12. Thank you. They probably are the most significant 12-piece. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Tonight, in honour of Bazaar and the, and the Dirty Dozen, we'll take, we'll take a couple uppers, we'll down a couple downers, but nothing will compare to those blue and yellow purple pills. A huge and cherishing thank you once again to David Alat for hosting this after show. I want to give David a little plug right now. Uh, the NoyEstate.com is the official Todd Noy website. And there are some cool new things up there. There's some audiobook readings of the Todd Noy books. There is a, even a new book by Robert Swift that is very cool that I just got in my possession right now. That you can purchase from there too and some other cool things. Uh, so definitely check out the Noy Estate. And once again, thank you to everybody for watching Finding Years, just listening to the after show, sending so many nice messages, purchasing the freaking merch. You guys have freaking blown my mind. Um, so touched by everything by you guys. I'm very sincere right now. So thank you so much. Uh, and please do. We love having you guys be part of this journey. So like I said in the intro, submit those mysteries over at findingeasus.com. If you've got something that you want us to chase up or something that you want us to explore in this kind of weird pop culture space. Love you very much. The new episode, the finale, is out today on Tuesday here in Australia and everywhere else at the same time, but I don't know what time zone you live in if you don't live in Australia. So just look for it on YouTube. It might be out right now if you want to get straight into it. The episode following that of the After Show will be out later this week. Oh, and before I forget, we are in that episode 200 range of Total Reboot right now. Uh, So we're going to do something quite spectacular for the 200th that we'll celebrate around this time. I actually don't know what exact number of episode we're up to. There's heaps of them, but we're in that 200 range. So we're going to do something cool, crazy, weird for it, and then let you know about some cool stuff in the future. Until then, you were all cherished. Thank you so much from Cameron and I. We love you, babies. 